on the day of the strike, there are two people that die. Uh, one was Bagoji Bakmare, and the other one was Bayru uh, Chavan. And the main problem here was that the police refused to give or to return the bodies of these two men to their families at, in, in the time that it was usually expected. So what happened is that you see an Ambedkar that people are depending on him and they, they go to look for him and he Ambedkar is um, joining the brother of Bakmarie and um, um, joining the, the wife of Shavan. And he's basically uh, fighting with the people at the hospital, fighting with the people, uh, 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 with the police officers and so on, because they don't want to return the bodies. You're listening to Jesus Shires, a lecturer in modern history at the University of Manchester. He was narrating the events of November 7th, 1938. B.R. Ambedkar's independent Labour Party had called for a one-day strike against the passage of the Bombay Industrial Dispute Bill. Among its other provisions, the law would make strikes a criminal offence. In the Legislative Assembly, Ambedkar had opposed the Congress Party government on this law. A strike is not a criminal offence, he had argued. I quote, Punishing workers for striking is making them slaves. Unquote. More than one lakh workers are said to have participated in the strike in Bombay alone. About two years before that, in the same year that he had published his searing critique of Hinduism in The Annihilation of Caste, he had launched the Independent Labour Party to represent the interests of the landless, poor tenants and farmers along with those of the urban workers. It was also during this period that he led an agitation against the exploitative system of agrarian revenue prevalent in the Konkan region known as the Khothi system. It was a time of agrarian crisis and the Konkan had become a labour catchment for the industries that were emerging in Bombay. No, I think uh, here uh, the, the role of Bombay city is very important. And in fact, historians have highlighted the role played by Bombay city. Uh, but in fact, it was Bombay city that became the hub of, uh, you know, anti-Koti activism and not just anti-Koti activism. Uh, what we see uh, is in fact, you know, as far as Dalit activism was concerned, it was, it was in Bombay city. In fact, you know, uh, Dalit activism, in fact, uh, uh, thrived. Uh, in the 1920 organized Dalit politics in fact thrived in in the in the in the uh, 1920s so Bombay city played a very crucial role uh, and it in fact sort of mobilized people now one of the reasons why uh, Bombay city in fact became the hub of uh, anti-Koti movement was uh, was uh, primarily because uh, Konkan in fact uh, the the uh, the uh, the labor, in fact, that was uh, that uh, that that worked in 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 Bombay City. Uh, large proportion of the workers who worked in in, in Bombay uh, belong to Konkan region. Like there are, in fact, uh, uh, there are some uh, statistics that uh, that are in fact given by historians, and it is uh, argued that uh, that uh, by by uh, uh, by the end of the nineteenth century. Almost 60-65% of uh, the, the the Bombay's working class force, in fact, came from Konkan region. So that, in fact, uh, you know, their, their exposure to uh, city also played an important role in in uh, in uh, thinking about this question differently, and also, in fact, transcending caste boundaries. Prabodhan Paul, who you just heard from, is an assistant professor at the Manipal Center for Humanities. You're listening to the Nagrik Podcast. My name is Aju John. 
the Bombay of the 1920s was where Ambedkar returned to practice law and to found Mook Nayak, the short-lived Marathi language newspaper that would be part of the foundation for more organized anti-caste politics in the city. In 1926, he formed the Bahishkrit Hitkarani Sabha, an organization for Dalit upliftment. We learnt about this organization in an earlier episode of this podcast that gave you a closer look at the political scene from which the Mahad Satyagraha emerged. In 1927, that Satyagraha and Mahad in the Raigad district of Maharashtra fought for Dalit access to public resources such as water from a public tank. Bombay city was not only the site of Ambedkar's professional and political work, he also grew up there. In 1897, Ambedkar's family moved to the city. He became the only Dalit enrolled at Elphinstone High School. At 15, he married Ramabai and in 1907, entered Elphinstone College. You will now listen to Subhid Bhaskar, a professor at the Jindal School of Government and Public Policy. Um, and uh, one of the interesting things about uh, Dr. Ambedkar is that unlike all the other trade union leaders such as Dange and you know so there was a division between trade union leaders who came from outside the working class um, and obviously uh, Dr. Ambedkar was not a laborer himself but he grew up in the chawls where laborers live so he grew up in one of the chawls in Parel uh, unlike others who grew up in very much middle class localities so that was uh the advantage ambedkar had so it was it was here in fact you know the the possibilities of uh, alignment uh began to emerge and uh, it was in fact you know uh, uh it was here in fact these different communities began to realize that they need to uh, fight a united battle against uh, against you know the landlords so there uh, in a, a, that that's why in fact um, uh from early 20th century onwards we find in fact uh, a very prominent leader non brahmin leader sk bole in fact uh, you know uh, starting the uh, you know uh, starting the the campaign against khoti and uh, and then ambedkar taking up this this question uh, persuasively then there were in fact others also who in fact participated in that so that alignment in fact that happened uh, uh bombay had a, an important role to play You're listening to the Nagrik podcast. My name is Aju John. On this episode of the Nagrik podcast, we learn together from Hezu Shairis, Prabodhan Paul, and Sumit Maskar about B R Ambedkar's political work on labor issues. In the 1920s, Ambedkar mobilized against the exploitative khoti system and took an active interest in the conditions of the industrial workforce. In the late 1930s, Ambedkar led the opposition to the Bombay Industrial Disputes Bill. and the movement for the abolition of the khoti system now we return to the bombay of the 1920s where migration from the konkan is mixing with the anti caste and industrial working class politics of the city so uh, it was in fact in the in the in the in the 20th century konkani dalits in fact who migrated to bombay city became the leading proponents of anti khoti khoti uh, peasant politics the relationship between peasant assertion and the working class politics in bombay played a crucial role as i've said uh, in making what uh, uh, gay romwit has also called pro- proletarianized uh, militant ideology in in the ambedkar's movement 
So Dalit migrants in Bombay, Bombay city were mostly recruited in the in the textile mills, railways, dockyards as workers. Dalit workers, in fact, found an impetus in Ambedkar's agitation, agitation-based politics, which encouraged the burgeoning uh, Dalit politics under Ambedkar's leadership to address the problem of khoti and, and class politics. Yeah, so one, so one of the, I think, uh, the one of the reasons why uh, Ambedkar was drawn to this movement was because, uh, because, because uh, many Dalits who, in fact, were part of his movement, uh, Dalit workers who, who became an important, you know, part of his constituency, uh, came from Konkan region. And uh, again, you know, the, the role played by Bombay City. And again, it's not just, you know, uh, uh, this, this Bombay City, the, you know, the role played by Bombay City is not just, you know, confined to Khoti question. I would, in fact, argue further that, uh, as far as organized Dalit politics is concerned, uh, uh, the, 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 the role played by Bombay City was, was phenomenal. An industrial workforce had emerged in India with the appearance of textile and clothing mills around Bombay, Calcutta, Madras and Surat in the second half of the 19th century. In 1890, the Bombay Mill Hands Association, generally considered India's first association of workers, was founded. Unions grew around the world in the 1920s with the First World War and the Russian Revolution and India was no exception. The British government's worries about the growing influence of the international communist movements can be seen in two cases of conspiracy that it prosecuted during the 1920s. The Kanpur conspiracy in 1924 and the Meerut conspiracy in 1929. In both cases, prominent leaders of the Indian communist movement were put on trials that attracted attention around the world. S.A. Dange was among those charged in 1924 and in 1929. In between the two conspiracies, the Communist Party of India was formed in 1925 and in 1928, the first general strike took place in Bombay. The strike had its origins in the introduction of new labour processes in the Bombay mills and lasted six months until October 1928. This period that was so fertile for communist ideas was also, as we have seen earlier in this episode, the same time that Ambedkar developed organised anti-caste politics and mobilised against the Khoti system. He also worked with the Bombay Textile Labour Union, which was formed in 1925. It begins uh, with association uh, with uh, the Bombay Textile Labour Union uh, that is uh, uh, that was associated with the Social Service League. So if you have NM Joshi and others who were associated with that kind of trade unionism, and he was associated with them, and uh, there were various other trade unions that were formed. Uh, in um, in various industries so you have municipal uh, you have the municipal workers union uh, where ambedkar was also the president uh, of that particular organization there as far as the textile mills is concerned uh, there were he mostly cooperated with the bombay textile labor union there were uh, there was a particular moment in 1928 where he thought that he would start a separate trade union movement uh, but he decided to put his energies on uh, in other sectors. Uh, but he played a very important role as far as the trade union movement is concerned uh, and picking up on important questions. So as far as the formal structure is concerned, uh, he was very much uh, part of the Bombay uh, trade union movement. 
um except that obviously as i said uh, the um, the scholarship has been unfair to him and the role that he played in the trade union movement because much of the history of the trade union uh, also focuses more on the uh, on the history of the textile uh, labor movement in mumbai and uh, uh, where his role has remained important throughout the 1920s 30s and 40s uh however uh, you uh, you have a um, pretty much a silence on that part uh, but if you take any particular moment uh, in terms of the trade union activities in terms of organizing the strikes he was very much um, involved in the important strikes where he disagreed uh, with the other unions that they should not go on strike he stayed away from the strike The 1920s were also the time that the British introduced a dual form of government or diarchy in the major provinces. It amounted to a form of power sharing with elected Indian representatives at the provincial level. B.R. Ambedkar was nominated to the Bombay Legislative Council in 1927 and was re-nominated in 1932. In 1928, we have like um, the Miro conspiracy case in which a lot of communists are sent to jail uh, basically for, for their continuous strikes in the city so after the, the uh, after miru um the basically the, the the problem with communists is resolved for a period of 10 years uh however when the british rush starts um one of the the first things that 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 the congress did was to to liberate the communists that were in jail at that particular time so once this happens um you you start to see a little bit more of of um, of strikes and movements win in Bombay, and the problem was the following, right? So at this particular point in time, Congress needs to decide how are they going to show the industrialists that they could be the future rulers of India, and. Um, and by liberating the communists, in some ways, that was a bad sign to the to to the industrialists. Uh, so all of the, particularly the, um, the the association of mill owners at this particular time, they were always they never they were very hesitant to support Congress because it was in their interest to be closer to the colonial government. You're listening to Hezu Shires on the Nagrik Podcast. My name is Aju John. If you like what you've heard so far, please share this episode with your friends and colleagues. That really is the best way you can support our work. You can also write to me at aju at nagriklearning.com with your feedback and your suggestions. On this podcast, we learn together to become better at public life. In previous episodes, we have learned about the Mahat Satyagraha, labor organizing in India's technology industry, how India's forest-dwelling people have developed grassroot-level democratic practices for the governance of forests, the global campaign that delivered significantly cheaper medicines during the AIDS crisis, about the struggle to protect the Niamgiri hills of Orissa from mining, and about how some remarkable lawyers are providing legal services 
to the survivors of communal violence in india the nagrik podcast is available on all major podcast platforms all you have to do is to search for the nagrik podcast on spotify apple podcast stitcher podbean or google podcast when you find our feed you will find the older episodes as well subscribe to the feed to know when we release a new episode this podcast is a part of nagrik open civic learning a project to radically reduce the inequality in acquiring the knowledge and skills to effectively participate in public life by publishing free and open learning materials for example right now on www.nagriklearning.com that is n a g r i k learning.com you can learn for free from a course on labor and decent work in supply chains about how workers can organize for better conditions even as the production processes of goods are no longer contained within national boundaries we now return to this episode of the nagrik podcast to learn from hazu shairis about the bombay industrial disputes bill of 1938 and the political space from which the opposition to it emerged in short it was a law that severely curtailed the space for trade unions to negotiate with industrialists so the industrial uh, the bombay industrial dispute bill of 1938 was part of a series of reforms that wanted to control the um, the labor movements that were that were forming in bombay dur- during not only the 1930s but before since the 1920s right so so once uh the the communists are are free and 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 obviously this sent bad bad signs to to the industrialists people like bg kerr patel people that are in in western india decide like something needs to to happen to sort of to get the industrialists on the side of congress so they start the industrial disputes bill that there's one in 1934 again uh that is sort of that 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 their main the main objective of this was to pacify and to help the workers to get rid of this communist influence of and 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 strikes and the next following um reform was the industrial dispute bill and this was once again a way to try to eliminate any sort of labor resistance uh in in the city particularly because the strikes were becoming a little bit more common so the main points that this bill wanted or was introducing uh were were basically the following if there was going to be an strike um first before actually striking there was going to be a mandatory conciliation between the two parts so uh the industrialists and the work and the workers uh were um legally bind to uh have a conversation for 3 months to, for 3 to 4 months so in the 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 communists and ambedkar saw this as problematic basically because you, the workers could not strike whenever they whenever they they wanted the second thing was that a strike um was made illegal if you did not follow this mandatory conciliation so in order to 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 strike first you need to do the 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 conciliation if you didn't follow this then uh you were going to jail the the an, another point that that this um strike was uh, sorry this 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 bill was um bringing in was the 
notion that they were going to be in some ways unions that were recognized and unions that were not recognized. So if um, there was going to be a strike in order to be a recognized union, uh, the basically the industrialists, the owners of the mills needed to say to give like a uh, needed to give like their their approval. So now you had two things coming on. You had unions that that were recognized and some unions that were not recognized. If they were if the unions were not recognized, then they needed like this insane um, support from the workers. But if they were if they were recognized, like in, uh, they 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 don't need it as much um votes to get to get approval uh to to strike so for ambedkar the the main problem with these ideas was basically that the that the workers were not free to strike so in 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 the way he he put it the the workers were de facto slaves why because they needed if, even if they they thought like they were not being paid enough, or even if they thought they were being mistreated, they could not strike. They could not uh, withhold their labor because they would go to jail. So that is basically what this uh, bill was introducing. And 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 I mean, if you want to see it from from the other point of view of the of Congress, because this was. A, a bill that was that was introduced by by BG Care and and Kayan Munshi, uh, they were claiming that this would help workers not to lose uh, their pay or their wage their wages while uh, before they they get to 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 strike right so um, that is basically what what the bill was doing it was putting some obstacles before to workers before they could strike. They have like this schedule, so they had to to announce that they that they wanted to strike. Then we had they had to have like this compulsory compulsory arbitration. Um, if they didn't follow the compulsory arbitration for three months, then the strike would be illegal. And if they follow this arbitration, then they just have like twenty five days to get the strike going, and that's it. And that 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 was like. If they didn't do this, it was criminal criminalized, and they could get they would go to jail for three to six months. And what Ambedkar would claim is like, even if I withhold my labor, it's not a crime. It should be I should get a fine at the most because it it's it's it would be more of a uh, yeah. I mean, it's not a crime. It's not something that I'm injuring someone. It's just me withholding my labor. It's just a breach of contract. So this is where he had where he brings the, this 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 discourse and this vocabulary. That, that that is more liberal like it's just a free it, 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 you're withholding our right of having freedom of contract of withholding our labor and so on and as far as strike is concerned his famous speech in the bombay legislative assembly um uh, so bombay the assembly the, the elections that took place in 37 so we have a speech in of 38 where he defends workers right to strike and to the extent of going uh, further, he says that uh, by taking away workers' right to strike, uh, we are pushing them uh, towards slavery. And uh, slavery is nothing but involuntary servitude. 
so his approach towards the labor question was very much in favor of the you know the the basic framework of um, you know labor rights and his objections were precisely that that um one needed to understand the strike as basically as as the right of freedom why because if you if you are not able to strike then you are not able uh, to to you're not able to decide on your own persona you are a slave in some ways and that's the way he, that that that's the that's, that's the, that those are the words that he uses he's comparing not being able to strike to slavery basically because it's involuntary servitude towards the mill owners so that those are the points that that he is bringing um to question so when when this bill it's it's approved uh that's when people decide to strike and that's when uh ambedkar and the the council of action as they would call it uh decide that they are going to strike on um in november um on the 7th of november and which which is an important date for 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 uh communism as well because it's kind of like the anniversary of the of the october revolution before he led the strike against the industrial disputes law in 1938 ambedkar participated in bombay's first general strike in 1928 there were however clear differences among the textile workers especially along the lines of caste ambedkar who grew in stature as a leader of the dalits and the oppressed castes wanted the communist unions to make some concessions especially on the issues of equal access to all jobs in the factory as sumit bhaskar will now explain and in fact the 1938 uh, strike that he led um, the other unions also cooperated with him but if we go back to the 1920s era um, so the big strike that takes place uh, is the 1928 strike Uh, which is the first strike um, which is considered as the general strike that took place in the city of bombay and then there are series of strike that goes between 1928 and 29 so 28 is the strike where ambedkar um, uh, agrees to go on strike however his major point of contention is that uh, dalits particularly the mahars were uh, were prohibited Uh, actively by the marathas from working in the weaving department uh, by taking an excuse of pollution that each time there is a particular process in the weaving section whereby the thread when it is broken it has to be put it on the mouth and then tied the knot again and that particular process that saliva that is used to tie the knot uh, the marathas argued that causes pollution um now ambedkar argued that as a policy this is important that um that mahars in particular and dalits in general should have access to uh should have working rights in all departments in the factories um the communists on the other hand were not initially keen on this because you know within court they felt that it is breaking the class unity uh but ambedkar remained uh, absolutely um insistent on this particular uh, issue that if this um right uh, of dalit workers to work in all department is not um included in the list of demands uh, 
ही विल नॉट सपोर्ट द स्ट्राइक एंड ही प्रिटी मच गोज ऑन टू थ्रेटन दैम एंड इट इज मच लेटर वेरी रिलेक्टेंटली द कम्युनिस्ट यूनियंस एक्चुअली एग्री टू दिस पर्टिकुलर प्रपोजिशन बट देन वेन दिस पर्टिकुलर प्रपोजल इज पुट थ्रू टूवर्ड फॉर द मिल ओनर्स एसोसिएशन uh they say that if this is a problem this is not their problem but the problem of the workers because uh, the uh, the mill owners argued that they are not the ones who are stopping the dalits from working in the uh, weaving section which was the highest paid and the most respected job in the textile industry uh but rather it is the workers who are doing it so as far as his agreements are concerned um broadly speaking he agreed with uh, the trade union movement's objectives about protecting the workers rights their their right to strike on important issues but where he felt that um the the, the trade union movement in general is not taking up uh, the issues of um uh, labor market discrimination or the exclusion of dalits uh that's where he disagreed very strongly and he put forth his claim in a very firm manner um and that said uh there were constant negotiations that were taking place and he very much remained at the center he was not always in favor of strikes because particularly what happened and again going back to 1928 and 29 so after the 28th strike was over the the communist led unions once again wanted to go on strike in 1929 uh, to which ambedkar opposed and his argument for opposing that strike was that uh, already the long drawn strike during the 1928 had put uh, dalit workers into massive debts and they are not in a position to once again go on a long drawn strike uh, because unlike the uh, let's say the a section of obc workers and largely the maratha caste workers uh, they did not have uh, land holdings in the villages on which they could rely upon uh, during the long drawn strikes and um, and also uh, within the city also um uh unlike again the marathas or the other uh, you know obc section of obc workers um they did not receive much support from the grain dealers and other money lenders which was easily available to other workers and for these practical reasons he um, pretty much disagreed uh, with the communist unions um but uh the other part is also important that uh, the communist unions were predominantly uh you know popular and they had a strong hold in certain areas of the working class uh, district of mumbai uh which were predominantly marathas uh and to large section the other backward castes what we today call them as uh but ambedkar influence was very strong in the dalit neighborhoods um and there were other organizations uh, particularly the bombay textile labor union and through their different uh, initiatives they were very much uh, prominent in the muslim neighborhoods so these uh, particular differences came up uh, mostly during the strikes uh and even the you know the common uh, you know the consensus that was there between different unions they also came during various strikes 
so as i said 28 strike there is an example of coming together but uh, on various terms and conditions which were finally agreed 29 there is a split the btlu and ambedkar decides not to participate in the strike so you have large section of dalits and muslims not participating in the strike uh, again 34 uh, ambedkar is not in favor of strike but 38 uh, he's the one who leads uh, the one day strike uh, for instance, in, in this case, he's, he's close to people like Dange, he's close to people like Parulekar. And during a period of two or three years, they are very close together and they work in, 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 and they have the same goals in mind. The problem is that in, in 1937, 1938, we have the, we have Congress growing as a mass movement, right? And part of the, ideology and the strategy of Congress uh, in, in, uh, or the national strategy is to get uh, the, the labor movement associated or within the umbrella of Congress. So we have people like M.N. Roy, for instance, at this particular point that are supporting Congress, that they see nationalism and independence as the first goal and the most important objective that any Indian has. So in this way, Ambedkar is opposing that, that, that view of nationalism. And he calls Emman Roy, for instance, he calls out Emman Roy in particular saying, how can you be part of Congress when Congress has, uh, even though they are claiming the support of, the, the, of a lot of labor leaders, they are also they also have the support of the industrialists, right? So in this brief uh, period of the 1930s to the 19 early 1940s, when when we have like the the first Congress rush, is uh, we see Ambedkar is siding with the with uh, Bombay communists and uh, he's against this socialist more that are not that are a little bit more towards the center that are kind of siding with Congress. So there are moments where he is very much uh, happy to cooperate with all other unions. And there are moments where he, uh, he has his own arguments uh, why um, he should not participate in the strike and actively opposes them in several cases. A lot of socialists or a lot of communist uh, leaders do not see caste as the main issue, right? They, 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 class is the main issue. Class is what needs to be resolved. So caste uh, stays on the sideline and, and by resolving class, the idea is that caste will, will also be solved, but that's not what happens. And Ambedkar is something that is always trying to, to, to discuss with them. And, and sometimes he, he, he doesn't get a, a, a the answer that he wants and that's why he changes later on towards the shuttle cast federation rather than continuing to have and on to follow this idea of the independent labor party you're listening to the nagrik podcast my name is aju john Let's return now to the 1920s again, when Ambedkar is mobilizing against the Kothi system. The courts were landlords and revenue collectors for the British government who collected revenue from tenant cultivators. The system allowed the courts to exercise control over the tenants, even extracting begar or unpaid labor from the tenants, 
and a large share in the produce of the tenant farmers who belong to several different castes. We will now hear from Sumit Maskar and Prabodh and Paul about how the mobilization against the Khoti system crossed caste boundaries, ultimately even leading to Ambedkar's electoral success in the Konkan region in the 1930s, even as paradoxically his critique of Hinduism grew ever sharper. So if you look at the 1920s and 1930s period of Bombay and the Western India, uh, so Ambedkar is already taking uh, this question of Maharvatan, which is a piece of land given to the Mahar, which is the Dalit community. And uh, in lieu of the services that they were, they are expected to provide uh, to the village, uh, much of these services had an extremely exploitative content. And he wanted uh, the Maharvatandars to be considered as government servants. And so that's kind of uh, you know rural labor question, if we may uh, call it that way. And second thing was the Khoti abolition a bill. And what we see is throughout the 20s, um, Ambedkar is very much uh, trying to build a big, like a broad solidarity uh, on various questions. And he is successful to very large extent in building this bridge because many of these small and marginal farmers uh, who were exploited by the Khoti system uh, also belong to the Maratha and the other backward castes such as the Kunbis, the Bhandaris and the Tiglis. Um, and you have Dalits also uh, working as landless laborers in several of these. So in some way there is an attempt to uh, build a broad based co coalition and that eventually leads to his introduction of the abolition of Maharvatan in 1928. Uh, so he as a legislative um, council member actually does that. Ambedkar, uh, it, is, it is very, it is very uh, evident that Ambedkar didn't get uh, this kind of support uh, uh, that he got uh, in Konkan elsewhere. So he was, in fact, uh, you know, uh, irrespective of caste, uh, irrespective of caste uh, affiliations, uh, Ambedkar was able to mobilize caste and religious affiliations. Ambedkar was more able to mobilize uh, uh, support for anti-Khoti agitations in the 1920s and 1930s, particularly in the 1930s. Uh, but, uh, but, but, as far as other regions are con concerned, especially outside Konkan, what we see is that. Uh, uh, Ambedkar never ever received that kind of support and that support that you know that can be seen in the in the um, uh, in the election data of 1937 like the, the the kind of support that Ambedkar received say in 1937 elections in in Konkan region um, uh, uh, many uh, the candidates who were non-Dalits uh, from Konkan region were in fact able to uh, they uh, they were able to uh, to to win the the, the seats uh, under uh, ILP ticket uh, uh, but but uh, in other regions uh, Ambedkar was not in fact able to get that uh, get the support of of uh, of non Dalit peasants so uh, so yeah so. Um, uh, what is also very evident here and what is very interesting for, for me, what is very interesting is that Ambedkar's anti-Khoti agitation, in fact, reached its peak in the, in the, in the late 1930s. And it was in the late 1930s, Ambedkar also started, uh, 
you know, becoming very critical of uh, Hinduism. Uh, it was in the, in 1935 Yolaka conference. He in fact uh, uh, proclaimed that he would not die as a Hindu, and uh, and and uh, in spite of that, Ambedkar in fact was able to receive uh, a very you know phenomenal phenomenal kind of support uh, from the from Konkani peasants. And I would say that uh, that one of the reasons, as I said, that uh, that this the, this this kind of uh, you know um, alignment was successful was, as I said, Konkan uh, uh, the Konkan Konkan Konkan's connection with with Bombay city played an important role. In 1937, when he is elected uh, into these provincial assemblies. Um, through independent labor party he also introduces the Khoti abolition bill so you have uh, Ambedkar's intervening in creating this broad based solidarity and the classic example of that is the formation of independent labor party where he is able to draw in uh, various uh, sections of workers belonging to different castes and religion um, and he is probably the only uh, leader who is actually able to link the rural and the urban question. Uh, and Khoti abolition bill is one of the most classic example because it is the same section of workers which participates in against the Bombay Industrial Disputes Act as well. So you have very interesting uh, energy that is being brought together from lay uh, from the late twenties. Uh, to the late 30s where different kinds of sections of workers are coming together. Now as far as communists are concerned, their intervention in the rural areas is pretty much negligible. So uh, much of these uh, activities in the rural areas are organized uh, by Ambedkar's associates. So you have Ambedkar's very close associate Chitre, who forms the Shetkari Sang, that is the you know farmers uh, organization uh, in the Konkan region, which looks after these particular kind of issues of um, of the Khoti system and its exploitation. Um, so his interaction with communists mostly, uh, at least in that particular period, remains restricted to Bombay city. Uh, I mean, that said, he also takes up court cases where communists are actually arrested on various charges and he also ends up defending them. So there is a very interesting uh, history probably that needs to be written on these various dimensions of uh, Ambedkar um, and his position within the labor uh, movement, trade union movement and the legislations that were involved for the protection of laborers. It is often, in fact, it would be often argued, or it, it is often argued that it was Independent Labour Party that uh, that uh, under Ambedkar's leadership that uh, that that uh, that actually you know uh, pushed the agenda of anti khoti in the uh, in the late 1930s. But as far as Ambedkar's association with anti khoti ag agitations are concerned, uh, uh, as far as his associations are concerned, uh, what is very important is that we we also need to understand how. Uh, the the, uh, the 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 politics of anti khoti uh, uh, was 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 played out in in in, in Konkan region. Uh, how you know we also need to understand how does that mobilization actually happen. So for that it is important to uh, for us to 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 know uh, that that uh, that that uh, it was in the nineteen thirty the 
early years of 1930, uh, this organization called Konkan Prant Shetkari Sangh was established. This organization was established by Ambedkar's very important confidant, uh, Anantaganayak Chitre. And uh, this, uh, this, this, this organization, in fact, tried to provide uh, an, uh, an argument that uh, that was not just, you know, uh, uh, that, that did not just try to, you know, uh, confine uh, itself with a, with a rhetoric of emancipation of peasants, but also tried to constructively use caste and class questions together. So um, it was. It was in the 1930s, especially you know, if we uh, if we read the the uh, the documents associated with uh, Konkan Pranjit Karisang, um, uh, there are you know the pamphlets that were in fact published in Ambedkar's newspapers. Uh, we in fact uh, get to get to know the politics of uh, of uh, of uh, this Sangha, which was in fact led by Ambedkar. And, uh, uh, and and Anant Vinayak Chitri. So uh, this organization, in fact, had from its out uh, at, from its uh, from its inception, in fact, it had uh, argued that uh, it is fighting a battle against feudalism and capitalism, and also at the same time, it will not, in fact, uh, uh, do away with with the, with the caste question. It will uh, also uh, it has in in fact it has, in in its uh, in it in one of its pamphlets. Uh, uh, the 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 sangha has uh, in fact argued that that uh, the uh, until we don't deal with this caste question we will not be able to uh, deal with uh, with with a with a with the larger questions larger structural questions therefore caste caste is an important question so 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 this sangha was not in fact you know um, as compared to like if if one wants to compare it with say other uh, peasant movements that were that that, that that operated elsewhere in in different parts of india uh, this movement this you know this organization was very different uh, not just you know uh, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, of its radical uh, orientation uh, intellectual orientation but it also tried to to uh, uh, you know constructively deal with with the question it tried to you know deal with the question very differently from uh, from other peasant movements of the time so um, it it, uh, it was in it was under this organization's leadership in 1932 uh, a very important strike at the farmers strike uh, happened uh, which was uh, which 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 in fact was held at uh, uh, at, uh, at Sari, uh, a village in Alibagh and uh, this this strike in fact attracted the attention of many many you know uh, uh, people uh, who were sympathetic to uh, peasant cause and uh, not just that in fact you know uh, uh, we also find you know a very evident kind of politicization taking place in in Konkan region in during this period, so so this organization played a very important groundwork. Uh, it, it laid the groundwork for for independent labor party. So independent labor party, in fact, was formed in 1936, uh, and uh, it was it was uh, 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 it was in Konkan region. Independent labor party, in fact, received immense support. In fact, um, it was it was here it it became one of the most successful political parties in that region. Uh, so um, 
so as far as uh, as far as independent labor party's politics is concerned it, this uh, uh, this party was in fact you know uh, it, it was it had inclination towards socialism it was in fact it, it uh, the the flag the color of the flag was red and uh, and uh, it in fact it, it also evidently uh, uh, evidently um, uh showed the or it basically uh, it it it, uh, it evidently uh, manifested the the uh, the uh, its it, its its association with left wing politics uh, as far as ambedkar's uh, um, colleagues were concerned like there were uh, few of his colleagues who in fact uh, uh, continuously wrote in uh, in uh, his newspapers and some of them also became editors of uh, of his newspapers they in fact uh, had uh, argued that uh, we need to in fact include um, you know uh, ideas of karl marx ideas of socialism ideas of communism uh, uh, and, and 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 we need to also you know try to uh, you know uh, try to understand these questions vis-a-vis caste question uh unlike the 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 communists of bombay in the 1920s uh, this movement uh, uh which was in fact you know which was uh, led by ambedkar uh, had a very different orientation it was in fact you know socialist uh, in orientation it was in fact it had its you know very uh, evident left wing inclinations yet it was uh, it 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 argued that we need to uh, we need to transcend beyond the rhetoric of class like if one wants to deal with class question we have to in fact first deal with the with the caste question uh, until we don't deal with caste and class question it it is very difficult to in fact understand the understand uh, indian society so uh, ambedkar in fact uh, uh, right from the as i said that you know in, in even in the 1920s ambedkar was uh, was uh, involved in anti khoti politics but it was in the 1930s he began to get involved in, uh, involved uh, at a, at a, at a uh, uh, you know at a at a at a, uh, at a different level like he he became he he, he became one of the very important mass organizers of uh, of peasants in the in the 1930s and this organization uh, uh, as I, uh, the, the organization that i mentioned uh, konkan pranchet karisan in fact became uh, in in that way a vehicle of a new kind of a politics and then it was taken over by uh, by independent labor party so independent labor party was in fact uh, an organization as i said uh, which uh, which in fact uh, uh, very uh, it it was it was it uh, it uh, tried to in fact you know foreground its politics in konkan region uh, through its anti khoti uh, politics like through through its anti khoti uh, uh, you know uh, uh, through its anti khoti politics uh, it, it it was in fact it was uh, it was um, uh it was uh, uh one of the reasons why the the uh, the independent labor party was able to win a substantial number of seats from konkan region was because you know um uh, one can one can see that you know that that groundwork which was basically laid by uh, konkan pranchit karisan was in fact working well and uh, in fact uh, as far as uh, the the this uh, ambedkar's uh, political party independent labor party is concerned uh, what we also see is very interestingly 
that some of very uh, some very important figures associated with left politics in western india were part of this politics ambedkar's uh, anti khoti politics and uh, it was in the in the 1930 shamrao parulekar for instance uh, was the uh, who also became the the deputy leader of uh, of ilp independent labor party in bombay legislative council and he was one of the one of very important mass organizers anand vinayak chitri another very important figure then uh, another uh, uh, then there is one more figure uh, narayan nagu patil uh, another very very uh, prominent uh, figure uh, uh, who was basically who was uh, who was uh, who was agree by caste and uh, who in fact became uh, one of the formidable organizers of uh, of uh, of uh, um, anti khoti politics and uh, the the uh, and and one one can also see uh, how this you know the, uh, despite you know ambedkar's party uh, in fact lost its prominence in uh, in bombay in the 1940s the the impact of anti khoti politics remained in the elections to the legislative assembly of the bombay presidency in 1937 the indian national congress emerged as the single largest party by winning 86 of the 175 seats it formed the government under the leadership of bg kher bhr ambedkar was elected from one of the constituencies in bombay city which was among the 12 seats won by the independent labor party which he had founded the previous year you're listening to the nagrik podcast we return now to ambedkar's opposition to the bombay industrial disputes bill in the legislative assembly and outside and his mobilization for the 1938 strike we will learn about this from hezu shairis one of the most important biographies of ambedkar by uh kier uh he has like this line and and i always like remember this line where he mentions that ambedkar was not a popular leader or populist leader in some sense and he usually stayed in 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 his office or in uh, uh, working and kind of writing and so on but if you see this this particular episode um it, that is not the case um kier mentions something like whenever ambedkar needed the support of his people he would give a clarion call and like the the people would would grow and uh, as as crops or something in the spring or something like that he he said something like that and the point is here is that here the 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 police in bombay uh congress and the sources that that are kind of that tell us the story about this about this particular episode see an ambedkar that is on lorries with a megaphone uh that he where he is um given what we would call like pamphlets or flyers uh to the people trying to tell them that they should come to the strike that they shouldn't um uh go to work on that specific date uh they are being attacked by 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 some by police but also by mill workers and also there is a counter movement around the same time made by congress so all of this is is going on and you see an ambedkar that is quite different when he's organizing that and for instance because it, which is different for instance in the 1920s with the satyagrahas uh ambedkar is actually in london when some of this organizing is happening and at this particular point in time 
uh, it is very different. He's on the street. Uh, he's talking to people. And I think people there knew Ambedkar. They knew where he lived. They knew where he could uh, he could be found. And people were expecting him to 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 participate. And on the day of the the strike, he was there in the morning. And something that I mentioned later on is that when um, and I mean, and we can discuss this later on. But on the day of the strike, there are two people that die. Uh, one was Bagoji Bakmare, and the other one was Bayru uh, Chavan. And the main problem here was that the police refused to give or to return the bodies of these two men to their families at, in in the time that it was usually expected. So what happened is that you see an Ambedkar that people are depending on him, and they they go to look for him, and he Ambedkar is. Um, joining the brother of Bakmarie and um, um, joining the the wife of Shavan, and he's basically uh, fighting with the people at the hospital, fighting with the people uh, 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 with the police officers and so on because they don't want to return the bodies. So that those aspects, uh, I, that I thought they were also very interesting because you don't see Ambedkar. In that, in usually in, in doing that, that type that type of things, and of course, it's, he cannot do that always because he doesn't have the platform or the infrastructure or the structure that that someone like Gandhi and Congress has, right? Like where they they are a massive organization, and Ambedkar does not have that. They, he doesn't have the resources, and and even later on, in in the 1940s, when when he's thinking about Pakistan and also. Um, when he has to do some other uh, protests, popular protests, his main con- his his he's always complaining like it's it's in some ways counterproductive for Dalits to protest at this particular point in time because we are sent to jail. Like the community does not want to sell us food, they don't want to to sell uh, to give us water and so on. So he finds like when they have to protest, they are they are they are not as respected uh if, if we can call it that way as 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 people uh doing passive resistance that are following like the gandhian way or like the idea of nationalism and and so on so it's a very different ambedkar that we see in the 1930s than in other periods of his of his life not everyone that follows ambedkar reads right so um there is a lot of going actually to Maidans, uh, like to parks, where he can speak with with the people. Uh, and of course, this is supported by the communists. All, all, the communists are, 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 are um, it's kind of a joint effort between between Dange, between Ambedkar, between Parulekar and, and, and so on. So they are on lorries, uh, inviting people through megaphones, uh, they are uh, giving away uh, pamphlets. They they are uh, writing in 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 Ambedkar's newspaper. I think at that particular point it was Muknayak. Uh, uh, no, or was it Janata? Uh, well, I don't know, but I can't remember right now specifically. But he is writing about this in 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 his newspaper. Um, then 
once um, what what they are doing is that on the night before of the strike, they had a big meeting uh, where they decided what people are go were going to do. And the, it was decided that in the morning, they were going to strike in front of the of the mills. And later on, they were going to move to the to 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 a park, a nearby park right next to to King Edward Memorial Hospital. Uh, and once they were going to to once there, they were going to hold like a big meeting and kind of um, talk about the what what happened and and so on. So, but this does not happen in some ways because they're two dead people, and and even and so even though the people gather afterwards in 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 the Maidan, they were waiting to get the bodies of of Bagmari and Shaban rather than just uh, rather than just talking about about what what was going to happen. After that, uh, once they receive the bodies, they had a procession. They have two different processions. Uh, because Bakmari did not die instantly, he died like a couple of days after. Uh, but Chavan died on on the day, uh, so they had like a procession. And once Bakmari died, they had another meeting in which um, the two wives of 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 both men were there. They were present, and Ambedkar was talking there as well. And they were like discussing why it was important uh, that they gave their life to to the cause and so on. Afterwards, however, after this, all of this happens, there was an investigation by the government in which basically they were blaming Ambedkar and the communists for disturbing the peace on, on that particular day. So uh, I, in, in some ways, that I, I think like that's one of the reasons people do not talk about this, this particular episode, because even though it, you cannot say it was a loss for, for, for Ambedkar, it, it wasn't also a victory. It was kind of something that happened, and the the bill was was pushed through the assembly, and and it stayed actually, even though it became sort of a dead letter type of bill. Um, it 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 was passed, and 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 it existed for 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 quite a while. You're listening to Jesus Shires on the Nagri Podcast. Ambedkar led the 1938 strike for the rights of industrial workers in the city of Bombay. The city lay more than 400 kilometers to the north of the Ratnagri district, which is where Ambedkar's family was from. Ratnagri is part of the Konkan region, where several years before the 1938 strike, as we have learned earlier in this episode, Ambedkar was involved in mobilizing against Khoti, an exploitative system for the collection of agrarian revenue. I now quote from Santosh Suratkar's paper on the anti-Khoti movement, which is linked from the description of this episode. Quote, the beginnings of an effective protest against the court's exactions in the 1920s undoubtedly depend, in part, on the growing interest and involvement of politicians with wider power and influence. Some legislative council members, notably S.K. Bhole, brackets, Bhandari caste leader of the non-Brahmin party in the Bombay Legislative Council, highlighted the grievances of Khoti tenants. Also, newspapers like the Navyuk took up their cause. 
Boli was active in Bombay presidency politics. He remained in close association with Ambedkar and supported his activities. Boli attempted to bring an anti-Kothi legislation on 6th October 1922 regarding the appointment of a committee to inquire into the conditions of those tenants who cultivated the land under the Kothi system in Ratnagiri and Kolaba districts. Unquote. Boli's attempt at a law against Kothi met strong opposition and failed. Fifteen years later, Ambedkar would introduce a bill against Kothi in the Bombay Legislative Council. This came after years of mobilization in the Konkan region. Among the aims of the Independent Labour Party were the improvement of agricultural productivity through the establishment of land mortgage banks, agriculturalist producers' cooperative societies, as well as marketing societies. It also proposed state ownership in agriculture and collective methods of cultivation. Faced with a tepid response from the Indian National Congress, however, Ambedkar launched a protest that climaxed in 25,000 peasants marching to the assembly on January 12th of 1938, the same year in which he would lead the strike against the Bombay Industrial Disputes Law. This time, however, Ambedkar demanded the enforcement of minimum wages for agricultural labourers, remission of arrears of rent and the abolition of the Kothi system. Prominent Marxist leaders such as S.A. Dange were present at this present march. Khoti, in fact, Khoti politics, in fact, provided uh, a template of of caste class politics, and uh, this 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 template was very strong. Like it was, it was not just a, it, it was not just a rhetoric. It was, in fact, it uh, it was uh, uh, it was a template that also uh, uh, you know that 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 uh, that, that uh, illustrated how that alignment could you know could work. And, uh, and, and, um, and, and, um, uh, and Ambedkar's, in fact, Ambedkar was quite successful in, you know, in, in using this template. Uh, on the other hand, in fact, you know, uh, Ambedkar was very uh, active in Bombay and his organization was also equally active in, uh, among the, uh, the Bom- Bombay, Bombay's working classes. Uh, but Ambedkar was not able to, in fact, get that kind of support. Uh, especially the electoral support from uh, Bombay's working classes. Uh, but uh, as far as Konkan was concerned, Ambedkar was successful in getting that support. So yeah, so coming back to the to the to this question of outcome, uh, I would say that uh, this agitation, anti Khoti agitation, firstly, in fact, uh, 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 as I said, that it it uh, it tried to sensitize the masses. It tried to you know provide a template of uh, of uh, template against feudalism, against uh, you know against uh, landlordism, and tried to you know uh, provide a template of uh, alignment between caste and class politics. But also at the same time, what is very important is that this uh, uh, the uh, it was it was. Uh, it was uh, uh, in the it was anti Khoti agitation that in fact also uh, set the tone of uh, of uh, of uh, radical you know uh, you know it, it, uh, radical intervention in the in the caste question. Like my, the the point is that uh, that this this agitation in fact uh, uh, was uh, it it produced. A generation of leaders who, in fact, also played very crucial role in Maharashtra's politics. In fact, uh, you know, some of them I have mentioned, and uh, the the Shetkari Kamgar Paksha, which was in fact founded in the late 1940s. You know, the 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 most prominent leaders of Shetkari Kamgar Paksha came from you know this part of the region, 
and uh, so so uh, as far as uh, caste class politics is concerned as far as peasant politics is concerned this anti khoti movement tried to provide a template of uh, of of uh, of how to work uh, uh, with caste and class together and uh, and it was quite successful also in that uh, in that pursuit santosh suratkar writes and i quote various peasant caste therefore came together as a class to defend their economic interest but after the event they remained fragmented along their separate caste interests the social base gained by ambedkar during the anti khoti struggle did not survive his shift from class to caste organization necessitated by the urgent need to project himself primarily as an untouchable leader led to the shrinking of his political program and mass base unquote uh, as a historian i would argue that uh, that that uh, ambedkar right from the beginning of his political life Uh, he tried to um, to uh, he he in fact tried to argue that uh, that the caste question would not go just just like that like it uh, it it is a question that is that is associated with broader structures of exploitation and until we don't uh, discuss and deal with those structures of exploitation uh, the the caste exploitation won't go so uh, the the focus here right from the beginning of ambedkar was to also think about and work against uh, those structures and therefore uh, right from the beginning uh, in fact you would see ambedkar uh, uh, you know uh, making efforts to 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 sensitize the 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 the, the non dalit masses in the 1920s like say for instance samaj sam samta sangh which was founded in 1927 uh, it was an organization again founded by ambedkar uh, which was basically dealing with which was basically uh, uh, an organization that, uh, that 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 addressed the concerns of uh, of uh, uh, of the of non dalit masses and it was basically to uh, to to sensitize them about 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 caste Uh, so right from the the beginning uh, of his political life ambedkar had in fact uh, was 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 uh, of this view that uh, that uh, we need to uh, fight against these uh, broader structures of exploitation and therefore i think um, uh, uh, um, his association with peasant politics uh, was in fact part of his you know part of his uh, his his, uh, his philosophy Uh, and he argued that uh, peasant politics cannot work peasant politics could cannot uh, succeed uh, uh, if it doesn't take certain questions like if it doesn't take uh, if it doesn't incorporate caste question uh, into a, into its uh, into its political discourse so um, so i think uh, one of the first uh, or the, the, the first in fact important point associated with uh, ambedkar was uh, uh, was that he in fact believed that uh, that uh, the fight against broader structures of uh, exploitation can be fought only with uh, only by aligning with with the masses uh, and uh, uh, masses beyond beyond castes and uh, and uh, and uh, until we don't establish united front of oppressed communities we would not be able to fight against these larger repressive uh, power structures i think it's his role as a regional leader is not considered that much because lately we've been thinking of ambedkar 
on national terms. Uh, we've been thinking of Ambedkar as a national icon that needs to be compared to the likes of Nehru or Gandhi and be framed as a founding father, so to speak, of the nation. But I think if we look at him in his regionalized local leader status, we discover an Ambedkar that was quite different from the one that we usually think of writing the constitution. He is someone that is with the people, that is organizing and talking with um, with unions of sweepers, for instance. He's talking with uh, workers, um, in mill workers. He's talking with um, peasants that are that are involved in 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 the fight against um, against Scotty in, in the Konkan. Uh, he's a very different Ambedkar. He's a more, much more vulnerable Ambedkar, if we can, if we can see it that way. Um, but he's also a very active Ambedkar that is not only in writing uh, in his desk and kind of fighting with Gandhi. Not at all. Uh, at this particular point in time, you see an Ambedkar that is basically that his main. Adversaries are people like Kerr and Munshi and, and Patel of the Son of Stein rather than Gandhi. Um, so I think that's that 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 is something that we can that we can learn about him as a leader, someone that was with his people in the difficult moments and someone that was involved in the betterment of his own community, of the city he lived in. And at some point, like he, he's not really interested in the national aspect, particularly in the 1930s. He's focused on the city. Of course, this is going to change very soon, but in this particular point, in this particular stage, he's very focused on regional politics. Khoti was eventually abolished in 1949. By then, Ambedkar had served as the Minister of Labour in the Viceroy's Executive Council between 1942 and 1946. The length of the working day, minimum wages, employee state insurance, the compulsory recognition of trade unions and maternity benefits were among the legislative measures introduced during this period. After independence in 1947, Ambedkar was appointed the Chairman of the Drafting Committee of the Constitution for the future Republic of India. Uh, because the way labor market was organized here, you have um, a very informal channels of labor recruitment in Bombay. And that informal channel is known as the jobber system, whereby these jobbers would go uh, and recruit laborers from villages. Uh, and, and primarily, they would obviously uh, go back to their own caste and village connections. And that's how you know, they were also able to produce, reproduce that particular dominance of the same caste which were dominant in the villages. So, uh, if you look at the major industries in Bombay, uh, the Maratha, which is the socially superior uh, caste in the Western India, they very much reproduce that particular dominance. So, Ambedkar's intervention as far as the labor market is concerned is to create this unemployment, uh, this employment exchange where you can register yourself and it is through the employment exchange one can actually go um, the companies could hire you 
and that remained a very important uh, organization uh, at least for the case of western india for a very long time um it is only as we all know that um, once these uh, once the state began withdrawing uh from whatever kind of job opportunities it provided um that's when i think its relevance is going down but pretty much up to the 80s if we can see people would wait for a call from the employment exchange that they would register that they are not employed they would put in their qualifications and they would get a call from the employment exchange for um, for recruitment and i think that is one of the very important contributions uh, but then there is a long list of legislations that he was involved with uh, one of them is the maternity act i mean very few people know that actually uh, the very initial discussions on maternity act took place in 1928-29 and uh, that was the first experiment uh with the maternity act we have and that was implemented in the in the bigger factories the textile mills being the big industry in bombay uh there were crashes that were in, initiated uh in the factories where uh, uh, you know women laborers would bring their uh children and they would keep them and uh, so they were taken care of so there was a proper institutional mechanisms um that he was very much part of and obviously he um he as once he becomes uh, the labor member in the viceroy council um he is very much part of uh, several legislations which were uh, instituted and and which played a very important role in the post independence period so whether it's the uh, employment esic that's the employment state insurance corporation uh which looks after the healthcare benefits or the minimum wage uh so you and then the 8 hour working day so much of these institute uh, laws that got instituted uh he played an extremely important role um uh, so yeah i think you if one looks at uh, different periods his intervention has been uh, very much there in terms of uh, how um, you know the labor policies were shaped but that said we have to also understand that um, uh during independence itself if we we'll, if we take independence as a point of uh, reference uh, not more than 7 to 8% of the workforce was part of the organized uh, industry or the organized sector or the formal sector which essentially means that 92% of the workers were always outside the ambit of all these kind of protective legislations um that were in force for the workers so historically speaking if uh, we were to take not more than 8% of the workers actually benefited across the country um and now what we have a situation is that number has come down to maybe 3 to 4% or even 3% so basically now we have 97% of those workers uh, of our country um, are outside the ambit of any of these protective legislations that a significant portion of work in the rich nations came to be performed through formal arrangements that is through a written contract of employment and with benefits such as social security and paid leave was a historical exception the vast majority of work in history has been performed without paid leave or work related social security today the large majority of work in the poorer nations which is where the large majority of the world's population lives has remained informal 
Most often, this means that workers simply have no opportunity to emerge out of poverty. In previous episodes of the Nagrik podcast, we have learned from activists and organizers working to advance the rights of the informal working poor, such as waste pickers and home-based garment workers. In both cases, we noted the challenges that they face when they try to come together to organize and improve their conditions of work and the relative absence of mainstream trade unions, meaning the trade unions that represent formal workers. In this episode of the Nagrik podcast, we have learned how in 1938, in the space of a few months, Ambedkar led agitations that advocated for the interests of the informal poor and for the interests of formal factory workers. With the anti-Khoti agitation, Ambedkar was at the helm of a broad coalition of the small peasantry, the landless poor and agricultural labourers. In November of 1938, Ambedkar led a popular strike for the rights of industrial workers. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Nagrik podcast. My thanks to the guests, Hezu Shires, Sumit Bhaskar and Prabodhan Paul and to Santosh Suratkar whose work on the anti-Koti agitation have used for preparing this episode. Thank you all for listening.